Nigeria in West Africa has long faced periodic instability over the years. Take the mid-1990s when the government put down a revolt of activists in the Niger Delta. Naw Sarawiwa was just a teenager when military leaders in Nigeria executed her father. He was writer, television producer, and environmental activist Ken Sarawiwa. The Sarawiwa family is from Nigeria's vast oil-producing Niger Delta, home of the Ogoni people. Ken Sarawiwa's demands for the Agonis to receive a greater share of oil revenues had angered Nigeria's government. He was arrested and, after a show trial, was hanged in 1995. His daughter, Naw, though born in Nigeria, had been raised in England. Ten years after her father's death, after Nigeria's government had finally returned his remains to his family, Naw went to his ancestral village, Bane, to bury him. She describes the journey in her new book, Looking for Transwonderland, Travels in Nigeria. In 2005, my brother Junior, sister Zina, half-sister Sinto, uncle Owens and I prepared the remains for burial. As Junior brought out the large bag containing our father's dissembled skeleton, Zina cried out loud on the far edge of the room. Sinto watched silently through her tears. I decided that the situation was only as macabre as my mind would allow, so I forced myself to lift out a long bone wrapped in newspaper. Uncle Owens, a medical doctor, helped us to identify and arrange each femur, fibula, metacarpal and rib, settling our minds into a more industrious mood as we assembled the skeleton. Before long, everyone was helping out. It was hard to conceive that these coarse brown objects we held in our hands were our father, a once energetic man with dark, stocky flesh. In vain, I searched for his face in the skull now resting at one end of the coffin. The two front teeth were missing. How and why, I didn't know. But when Junior placed a pipe between the upper and lower jaws, his teeth metamorphosed into that familiar smile. That is just so surreal. Yeah, it's not something you ever expect. You know, you just never imagined that you'll actually see the skeleton of people in your family. There in Bane, in the village of your father, you you write that you feel really connected to Nigeria, more connected uh, than perhaps any other place in the world. What does it mean to you, No, to be a Goni, a minority ethnic group from Nigeria? You know, when you're in Lagos, uh, the, the biggest city, or you're up in the north, you're surrounded by people who are a different ethnic group from you. And, and normally that doesn't matter. When you're in London, we're all Nigerians. But once you've been in Nigeria for a few months, you start to feel the sort of ethnic differences a lot more. So coming back to Ogoniland, was, it was really nice because you're in the one place in the world where people can actually pronounce your name properly. And it's all around you. You know, you go to the internet cafes and the market and everyone's speaking, uh, you know, Kana, that's the dialect. Right. And so, yeah, I felt a, a much stronger sense of being Ogoni as opposed to Nigerian on this trip. I can't imagine uh, your father, uh, when he was alive, took you to uh, Trans Wonderland, the place in the title of your book. No, he didn't. <laughs> he wasn't a big amusement park person. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Trans Wonderland, the place in the title, is actually an amusement park in the city of Ibadan. Uh, tell us about it. It was very decrepit and it had been built by a previous dictator 20 years ago. And basically it looked as if it was deserted, like none of the rides seemed to be operating. But then a man came along, he was the manager, and, and said that uh, I could just go on any ride I wanted, just, you know, point at it and he would switch on the button. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I found myself <laughs> sitting alone on a Ferris wheel with a small crowd of uh, people just watching me and feeling very foolish. But the amusement park was really 
it was a symbol of the Nigeria that I'd wanted to experience, the, you know, the Nigeria that was separate from the murder and the, the dictatorships and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, the title of the book, Looking for Trans Wonderland, is, is about looking for that side of Nigeria. But it's also a, a metaphor in the sense that it was decrepit, had, you know, fallen into decline. Mm. And, you know, you could say the same about Nigeria since independence. You conclude that you couldn't really live uh, back in Nigeria. As you write, beneath it all lurked the belief in witchcraft, the oil dependency, the politicians' constant acceptance of low standards. And you say you'd never get used to that. Is it coincidental that oil dependency and politicians' low standards are what your father was fighting against? The oil has made Nigerian politicians very complacent. It's, to this day, oil still accounts for 90% of our foreign earnings. And so, you know, over the 50, 60 years since independence, the economy hasn't diversified the way it should have done. So our manufacturing is very low and, you know, a succession of corrupt leaders have you know, milked the oil industry and, and made themselves very rich and impoverished the, the nation as a whole. So, yeah, you know, oil breeds this sort of corruption and complacency. Noor Sarawiwa is the author of Looking for Trans Wonderland, Travels in Nigeria. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.